Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia, including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled, Under Authority, recorded on September 27th, 2020, for Revive Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as a teaching pastor. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Lord God, we are so thankful to be able to gather together in your name. Um, And Lord God, you have made us a wider body. Um, We are able to network from so many different places, Father God. It's revive in the bedroom, revive at the kitchen counter, revive on our couch. Father God, we are so thankful that, um, that you are still interactive with your body, with your church. And so, Lord Jesus, as your word comes forward today, uh, may I step out of the way. Holy Spirit, just apply your word to each of our lives, to our hearts. Um, Provision us, empower us, and uh, just, Father God, give us something to respond to this morning. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, We serve a God who wants to interact with us. We serve a God who wants a response from us. Not some, not a God that would just uh, be uh, wanting us to spectate, to just sit around and, and, and just kind of contemplate. Um, we're going to be looking, uh, we're going to continue our We Believe series this morning. And uh, I'm going to be looking at the topic, We Believe in God's Authority. Do we believe in God's authority? I think we should. Uh, we uh, get offended sometimes. What is offense brought on from? It's brought on because something happened that missed the mark that was off center and it gave us something to respond to that we didn't that we didn't agree with. But the basis of that response comes from a foundation um, of justice, of righteousness. And we get that we are made in Christ's image and we have that heart of Christ within us that that longs to live in a righteous world, that longs to see people treated fairly and kindly. Um, my wife and daughter and I, we did a, uh, we did a little question answer thing. And uh, one of the questions was, what was one of your pet peeves? And I said, my pet peeve is when I see people acting rudely for no reason. There's just, I mean, there's enough cruelty and hostility in the world without people just adding regular discourtesy on top of it. And so that, that was something that really pricked my heart and so when we look at the word authority, it conjures up a certain feeling in, in all of us because we all have a different relationship with authority. I know that when um, I'm driving down the freeway and if I see the lights of a cop behind me, instantly I get a little bit afraid and I look down and I may be doing the speed limit or over the speed limit by a couple miles, but instantly I, I'm, I'm afraid of that authority. And then, of course, I get relieved when I see him flying by me and chasing the car ahead of me. But then, of course, there's those times when you do get pulled over and you're like, oh, man, I've, 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 I've lost this one. You know, sometimes you get off with a warning. Sometimes you have to go to traffic school. That's always fun. Sometimes you get the ticket and you're like, oh, man, I always call it the Rio Rancho $100 um, postcard whenever I pass one of those little trucks that are by the side of the road. And I was like, oh, man, I was going too fast. They send you those in the mail. So. Um, (laughs) So I want to get into what it means to um, believe in God's authority. And really, there's an old Christian term that um, if we've been in the church for 20 or 30 years, it's called a covering. And um, that authority really acts as a covering. And a covering for us, I mean, we know it in in New Mexico, especially since we've only been able to dine um, outside and now recently inside. 
you wanted to go where there was a nice patio umbrella that provided you the covering from that um, horrendous um, summer heat in the sun. I played golf the other day, and man, I was glad when my ball went under a tree so I could get out of the sun for even just a little while. It's just amazing what a little bit of covering will do to change the entire ambiance of what, of what your, your environment is. Amen. When I was 26 years old, my dad passed away, and so my fatherly covering was taken from me. My dad wasn't a believer until the latter part of his life, and so I didn't really get to enjoy a godly father figure in my life. And so when I was a young man in the ministry, I was always seeking out people within the church, um, elders or, or other pastors that I could submit myself to. And for me, it was just an opportunity to get together with them a couple of times a month to share my struggles. They would offer some godly counsel and they would always pray for me. And what I didn't realize in that time was that I was actually submitting myself under authority. And there are huge benefits to, to doing that. One of the benefits that I actually happened to get was a promotion. Um, I, at the church that I was serving at at that time, the, the senior pastor there was over some of the other churches within our city. And um, there came an opportunity where there was a church that was needing a, a new senior pastor. And I, don't, I never applied for the position, but my name was suggested to the pastor as a potential candidate. I went and I interviewed with the church, and, and it was a good fit. And so that became my first um, senior pastor role. And it all came out of a time in my life where I was submitted to someone so that they, they knew how I was. I was transparent with them because I was a young guy, and as I'm struggling, I really needed those those people to share with. And if anybody knows me, I wear my emotions on my face. I, I can't lie. I'm always immediately caught when I'm trying to do something that I shouldn't be doing. And so it's always better for me, for my conscience, for my soul, when I can just lay it down and I can say, here, here's what's going on. Pray for me. And then you just move on. And so as I was accountable, um, the, uh, those people that I were accountable to, those authorities, they passed on my name and they gave me that, that opportunity for promotion. So covering of authority provides a certain benefits like protection, provision, and possible promotion. So I want to get into a little bit, an overview of authority as it relates to God. And we're always going to get this information from the Bible. So we can make the statement that God has all authority. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 says this, and I'm just going to zero in on this little sentence in that verse. We're going to actually look at the full verse in context, but it basically says, for there is no authority except from God. Now, we as Christians, we can submit ourselves to that truth. We can believe it. We know that within the world, there are a lot of entities. There are a lot of powers. There are a lot of rulers that like to say that they are the end-all authority on all things. There's a lot of different doctrines, a lot of different teachings out there that a lot of people submit their lives to. And really, that is going to determine, the, that is the rudder of the boat. And it's going to decide which way that boat's going to turn in good waters and bad waters, in good times and in bad times. The doctrine that we believe, the authority to which we submit our lives, is at the end of the day going to have the most bearing on where it is and how it is that we live our lives. Amen. So we go on from the fact that God has all authority to the fact that God gave Jesus all authority. In Matthew 28, 18, um, Jesus is, uh, he's commissioning his disciples and he says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. Now, you see, what's interesting about this authority that Jesus was given was Jesus was given authority, but he only maintained that authority when he was under authority. And so that's a, that is a key concept that we as believers need to understand. And this is why we can always look to Jesus for every pattern, for every example that we need for our lives. So Jesus had authority, but he only had authority because he was under authority. That means that he was submitted to the will of the Father. Um, he was submitted in what he said. Um, in John twelve forty nine, it says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Man, if we could have such diligence in the things that we said, if we could be so accountable. In fact, I, I believe it's the book of James says that if you do not fail in what you say, you are a perfect man able to bridle the whole body itself. The, it, the tongue is spoken of as that rudder. I guess we're using boat analogies today. So the rudder is that little tiny piece of metal that, that is on the back of the boat. You turn it this way and, and the boat goes that direction. You turn it the other way and the boat goes that direction. So it's that pivotal little piece of, of, our, um, of our entity that is so um, influential in the way that we will direct our lives. And so Jesus was subject to the Father in what he said and also in what he did. In John 6, 38, we read, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That, that was Jesus' entire um, plan on earth. He's like, I don't come with any kind of an agenda, but whatever the Father tells me to do, that is what I'm going to do. So God gave Jesus all authority. Jesus has all authority while he submitted in authority under God. And now Jesus gives us power and authority. In Luke 9 verses 1 and 2, Jesus is in the process now of commissioning his disciples to go out on their first, basically their first task. They actually were learning under Jesus. They were mentoring under Jesus, under his authority, under his covering. Um, I'm sure they were making mistakes as they were going. And now it's time to get out of the classroom and into the lab and put the knowledge that he had been giving them to work. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So there's two words here that are very similar, but they're actually quite distinct. And the words are power and authority. They both are Greek words. The word power is dunamis, and it means physical power, force, might, or ability. And the word authority is the Greek word exousia, and it means delegated power, weight, or a power to act. Now, I've kind of brushed through those definitions real quick because I want to give you guys a little story that will really help to paint this picture. So let's say like I'm going to the bank and I'm going to cash all of my paychecks. And so I've cashed my paychecks and I'm walking home with my $100 in my pocket. So you might be asking, well, what kind of job do you have with all these paychecks? You only get paid 100 bucks. Well, that was when I was nine years old and I mowed seven lawns in order to save up that $100, I would go to the bank once a week and I would go walking home with my 100 bucks. Well, let's say like on the way home, I run into this bully who knows that I mow lawns and knows that I have this money and he says, hey, give me your money. Well, I could look at him and I could say, hey, you have no exousia. You have no 
legitimate right or authority to this money. And he'd go, man, what was I thinking? I'm so, thanks for straightening me out. Have a nice day. That's probably not what have happened. He probably would have pounded me and then taken my money and walked away. So different scenario, walking home again. I'm, I'm walking home and I run into this little tiny kindergartner girl and she hands me a piece of paper and it's from the IRS and it's an invoice for unpaid taxes in the amount of $100. And I'm like, get away from me. See, in this situation, I have the dunamis. I have the power. I don't have the legitimate authority to refuse her, but I have the power. In the same way that the bully had dunamis power, he, didn't, he had the ability to direct me, to make me do what he wanted to do, even though he did not have the legal authority to direct me. And so in this case, this little kindergartner has the legal authority to direct me to, to, to what I should do. But if I refuse her and she'd go, okay, I don't want any trouble. Well, then probably a couple of hours later, she would come to my door with two people that did have the dunamis power and probably handcuffs and a gun. And I don't know if there's IRS jail. I'm sure there probably is. But at that point, I would probably want to give over my $100. And so basically power and authority... Power is the ability to direct or control. Authority is the legitimate, by rule or law, right to direct or control. And a misuse of power happens when it acts outside of authority. So we see that power and authority don't always operate in conjunction. And we see that corrupt, corrupt power actually always acts outside of authority. And so we're going to keep those two concepts in mind because... It is the misuse of power that makes all of us, in one way or another, respond out of that sense of injustice. We have that sense of righteous indignation. We want to rise up. We want to take action. We want to speak out. And that is the next topic that we're going to get into. Because we as Christians can do that as long as we remain under the, the authority of God. Because we even saw Jesus do this in his own ministry. When Jesus first walked into the temple, he looked around and he saw that the entire temple had become a marketplace. And so Jesus sat over there against the wall and he was braiding that whip. You know, and you can just think that he's wanting to act out of only dunamis and not the exousia legal right. Um, to, to do something. So he, he kind of collects himself. He submits himself to the Father. You can know that he's praying. Every, he's like, okay, Lord, how, how hard can I hit these people? Can I actually hit people or should I just knock over tables? You know, he's just, he's getting it. He's getting the marching orders very clear in his mind about what it is that he's going to do to respond. So basically he had that strength under control. And when he did respond, it made a statement. He said, you, you guys have made my, my, my father's house a, a den of thieves. It is a place of worship. And so we can respond to those things that we see within the world that are, that are not correct, that are not right. But we need to do so only under the authority of Christ. So what is our response? Well, it's the same as Jesus. We only say and we only do as God through the Bible outlines. We carefully we do this carefully and with discernment. And we need to be aware of the doctrines that have no legitimate authority. 
And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about, how all of us have some sort of a belief structure. And we look in the world and we know that they're, you know, you, you can watch, you can pull up on YouTube a whole host of videos of people that want to indoctrinate you with how to do marketing on, on Amazon, how to do, you know, how to get rich, how to, how to retire by the age of 40, all of these different kinds of things. And it's basically their belief system that they're wanting to share with you. And you look at them and some of them have millions and millions of followers. And so we know that there are doctrines out there. And I'm not saying that all of these are against the Bible or against God. But what I'm saying is we need to be careful and we need to be discerning and we need to weigh all doctrines in light of the truth of the word of God. In Colossians 2 verses 8 through 10, we see, we read this. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And so I love it how in this very verse we have this parallel. So the world offers us philosophies, empty deceits, human traditions, elemental spiritual kind of um, teachings, and God offers us in our bodily form. So all of that truth and leadership dwelt in Christ, it now dwells within us through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, through God, who is the ruler and the head of all in all authority. And so as we're kind of weighing through and we're looking at all of these different sources that come in and kind of deciding how it is that we want to mold our response, another thing that we really need to consider is the source of the information that we hear, that we read, and that we watch. Because I want to ask you a question. How often are the discussions that you're involved in on a daily basis even standing next to the person um, in the checkout line at the grocery store or, or at one, um, like at Target or Walmart, how often do those conversations come out of things that have come right out of the news? Probably 80 to 90% of the time. And we, a lot of people take what they hear or read or watch on, on the internet or on television as gospel. Um, in fact, I ran into to someone just last week and they were saying, I think the stuff that's going on is a government conspiracy. I'm not even going to get into all the details that, are, that they were talking about. But you can look on, online and they, there's a whole list of things they're talking about, government conspiracies and XYZ and how, it, how it's affecting our modern day life. And so what I'm, what I'm actually warning us to do is consider the source. If you look behind a lot of the major news agencies – these are not nonprofit. Let's just give you the unfiltered raw news. No, they are a for-profit business. And those for-profit business have things like opinions and bias. And everything of the news that is come out and given to the public is filtered through that lens. And so I'm not saying that you can't believe it, but I'm saying that we need to be discerning. And maybe don't get all of your news from one source. Maybe weigh it out through a couple of different sources and then pray about it before you even allow it to go in and to take hold. Because the enemy is, this is the easiest way for the enemy to indoctrinate us. He's like, really? 
It's, it's almost like they just bow down every day. They just look at that and it comes right in and they believe it. And then they, they take it to heart. And then that heart causes them to think in a certain way. And then eventually it makes them want to respond in a certain way. So it's, it's almost as though the technology that we have, which is so good, it allows us to share fellowship on a sunny morning with church in this way. But it also is a direct line. It's almost like we've had a direct IV stuck right into our hearts, right into our souls of other information that comes in. So just like my wife's, one of my wife's favorite song for her kids is beware, beware little eyes, what you see, what you hear, those things that come into our, to our hearts and our souls. We're just, we just need to be careful because we are just as vulnerable and susceptible as adults. And especially as we listen to our close friends who may not have a grounding in the Bible or grounding in the Lord, we want to be an attaboy and say, oh yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. That's a good opinion and that's a good thought. We just kind of chime right in and we don't even really say anything. And so we need to be careful of those things. We need to really consider the source and is it really a godly source? So we are to be subject to the governing authorities. So once again, God gave Jesus authority. Jesus only had authority while he was under authority. Jesus gave us authority. Well, guess what? We only have that authority while we submit to the authorities. Well, what are those authorities that we submit to? Well, of course, it's the word of God. What the word of God tells us to do, we should be trying to walk that out in our life. But also we are to be subject to the authorities that God has placed on this earth. First Peter chapter two, verses 13 through 17 says, be subject for the Lord, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And emperor basically just means honor those that are in authority. And I can, I can already hear the responses of the world right now going, but our authorities are so corrupt and blah, blah, blah. Okay, once again, it is not wrong for us to have a response to the things that we see going on around us. But once again, we need to exercise that response under the authority of Christ Jesus. So we don't agree with the authority. Uh, so we don't have to agree with the authority to submit to it. How many times have kids, you know, let's in this perfect example, if you've got, you know, uh, more than one child, there's probably been an opportunity where the kids come into the house and so-and-so did this to me. And the parent tries to be the good referee or the good judge and go, okay, well, you did that wrong and you shouldn't do that and you need to apologize. Well, that's all good. That's a good day for a parent. But the typical day for the parent is they're doing about 5 million things right now and the kids run in for the fifth time. So-and-so did this to me. So they give them that great response that solves all problems. Both of you knock it off. And so one of them walks away completely scot-free like, oh man, I just got a pass for the day. And the other one walks away crushed because their little righteous indignated heart has not been responded to with justice. Right? Right? And so, but because they love mom and because mom has more dunamis power to make them do what she wants them to do, at least until they turn 13. 
And when my son turned 13, I tried to spank him and it didn't go so well. His arms were flailing all around. I could not even, I had to sit on him, but I couldn't even get him rolled over to give him a swat. So I was like, well, I guess we're going to have to choose some other means of uh, corporal punishment is out the door for this list. So we, we don't have to agree with to submit to the authorities. And, but disagreeing and acting outside of God's authority yields judgment. And Jesus has not only been entrusted with authority, but he's also been entrusted with the ability to pass judgment. John 5.22 says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Romans 13.1-3 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to do to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. At the end of the day, real submission is not your heart to your mayor to your governor, to your president, it is to your God. That is what everything flows out of. And if you are first submitted unto God, then all of these other things are going to follow. Does it mean that you have to love those that are elected? Does it mean that you have to completely agree with every regulation and law that's passed down? But also God has given us a means, at least within our system of ruling, to change those, to change those that are in office, to change the laws that are in place. They say that one phone call to those that are in power represents about 100 voices. So if you get a, about 100 people to call your governor because you disagree with something, then guess what? You have made a large groundswell of impact, and that person is now going to take that to the assembly, and they're going to say, well, I've heard from my constituents that this is the opinion at large. And so don't think that we don't have a voice, but we need to exercise it in the means that God has given us. Okay. Well, let's go to that worst case scenario. What should we do in light of an evil ruler? What would I do if I lived in North Korea? Well, I would try to get the heck out of North Korea. (laughs) But if I can't do that, then I have got to submit because if I don't, it's probably going to go very bad for me, very bad for my family, could include torture, could include imprisonment, could include killing. And so that's the reality of the world in which some of us on this earth are living. So... Everything we can do under the authority of God is what we should do. As Mark said last Sunday, we need to fast, we need to pray. We need to dig those, dig those holes with fasting and we need to fill them with our prayers. Um, Pastor Sean has been talking about prayer. He's been talking about all of the great biblical people throughout history, how that is a mark of the Christian. So we can't complain unless we've first prayed. Because we haven't done nearly anything that we can do. And if we think that our prayers are stagnant, are stale, are impotent, we are wrong as believers. Just put God to the test. Pray for the will of God and then pray diligently for a week. And you keep a journal and see what God changes in your specific circumstance. And then go from there because it only gets better from that. And then after we have fasted and we have prayed... We need to seek change under God's established authorities. We need to vote. We need to petition. We need to phone call, whatever, whatever it takes. And once you have done all that you can do, then you stand firm. As Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says, finally be strong in the Lord 
and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Whoa, what was that? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So really that person that's on the news every single day, that face that I can't stand seeing, always in that little bubble just to the left of the newscaster that they always keep talking about, that's not who I'm battling against. Not at all. It's the ruler that is behind those things that are perpetrating the evil against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So sometimes all we can do is stand firm. Sometimes we've done all that we can do. We've prayed. We've acted. We've done all that we can do. And then we need to give it over to God. And I want to show you, we're going to end with the the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from Daniel 3. I'm going to do a quick abridged version. Um, We've got a couple minutes left. Um, but I want to show you that they were in those very circumstances. They were in exile from uh, Israel. They're living in Babylon. But even though they were in exile, they had been promoted to a place of prominence within the province of Babylon. And so we know the story. King Nebuchadnezzar, he makes an image of gold. It was 90 feet high and nine feet wide. And he set it up and the herald proclaimed, you are commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, I think if anybody whistled walking down the street, they were probably supposed to fall down and worship this thing. The golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and whoever doesn't fall down in worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now, there were certain Jews who, whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And the Chaldeans are saying this because they did not like the Jews. They did not like that these people had come into their province and they had taken places of authority. He said, there's these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. And in his rage, he commanded that the three be brought. So they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? And now he's he's basically inviting them. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered its son to the king. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those three guys over there lifting weights. He goes, all three of you, come on, come with this, this way. And they grabbed them, and he ordered them that they be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, 
So it's not enough they're going into a fiery furnace that's heated seven times. They're also dressed in layers. And they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. So you've got to get this picture. Okay, so this... It's, an, uh, it's this picture of this fire that's just, it's like the doors are there. They're probably made of metal so they didn't burn off. And there's just flames coming out of every seam of, this, of these doors. And I don't know if the doors were open this way or if they slid, slid open that way. But what happened was, is there's a couple of guys holding the three and the other two that are opening that. And right as it opened, those that opened it were immediately consumed and killed by the flames of the fiery furnace. But there was also a forward momentum of the three, and they fell into the furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not have three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over their bodies of those men. The hairs of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. These three disobeyed their local authorities under the authority of God. Amen. It is possible to do, and when we do it God's way, we will get God's amazing results. They not only... I mean, I'm sure when that decree came out, they're all going, man, we've been trying to live as Jews in this strange land for so long. We've, we've complied in every way possible. And then the enemy said, I, I'm all in. I put all my, my poker chips on the table and I now raise it to the point where they're going to have to bow down to a God that is not God. And now the three are probably going, what are we going to do? And they're like, the only thing that we can do, we cannot deny the God that we serve. And we'll have to be honest to the ruler that we're supposed to be submitted to. And they didn't pull any punches. They said exactly what it was that they were going to do. And God says, you met me and I will allow you to win this hand. We don't give God enough opportunities to work on our behalf. We think we have to take power and matter in our own hands and we do it messy and we do it bloody and we do it in ways that don't really solve the problems that we're trying to convince others that need to be solved. It reminds me of the whole situation. Um, we've always had the, well, not always, but there's been the, de- the debate about pro-life and abortions for a long time. And during that, that um, season, when I was growing up, there were people that were bombing abortion clinics 
thinking that this would win the argument. Okay, well, let me kill doctors, nurses, and possibly patients to let everybody know that you shouldn't be killing unborn children. <laughs> what The people that may have had some sort of an open or a buy-in to their message immediately were deafened because they were like, if these are the kind of people that support pro-life, then I want nothing to do with them. They're worse than whatever it is that they're saying that shouldn't be done. And so we don't disobey out of frustration or impatience. I want to end with this verse in 2 Peter 3, 9. And basically this verse says that God's authority is preserving a place for those yet not under it. Let me say that again. God's authority is preserving a place for those yet not under it. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Mm-hmm. So when we think it's time for us to act and to move and all that stuff, let's make sure that we don't kill the very people that we're trying to save Amen. in that whole fiery of our passion and our emotion. As long as we're under the authority of God, we can move in powerful ways. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that we can choose to subject and submit ourselves to you. We are, we are free to obey the authorities that you have established on this earth. It doesn't mean we have to agree on every, on every regulation and every person and, and every idea. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us vehicles to use to promote change. But the biggest vehicle that we have, Father God, is simply submitting to you, seeking to walk in your will. And Father God, you are going to change things in ways that we could not even imagine. Father God, I pray that your word would go forth this day, transform our lives. May we respond to you, Father God. May us have that interaction, interaction with, one in, with one another and with you as we turn off this Facebook live stream and people kind of go out through day. Lord, speak to them in those specific areas where you have emboldened them with a little bit of angst about something that they need to see change in. Lord God, let them be proponents of change through their prayers, through their fasting, through the actions that they can take, but most of all, through their obedience and their submission to you under your authority. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works, including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content. Please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening, and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.